This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture, and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. All right, all of our liberty-loving friends, we are here at Freedom Fest up here in South Dakota, and today... I'm sitting here with Daniel Harmon, who is directing the upcoming Tuttle Twins TV series. Daniel, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on, Nate. How's Freedom Fest been treating you? Really good. Good group of people who um, are loving the ideas of, of freedom and liberty, and so, yeah, I'm all about it. It feels pretty good to be in a room full of mostly like-minded people every once in a while, right? Sure, yeah. Yeah. Um, so. First off, for anyone who doesn't know, if you wouldn't mind giving us a little bit of a background on Tuttle Twins to start with, and then we'll go with some of yours also. Yeah, so Tuttle Twins is actually, it all starts with a book series. So it's written by Connor Boyack, and he went online looking for a resource to teach his kids about the ideas of freedom and economics. Did an Amazon search, came up very empty-handed <laughs> yeah, for anything sure. like that, and decided to write a book himself based on Frederick Bastiat's The Law, um, that you know that classic book, essay, whatever you want to call it. Um, and so he did that, he published it, and had a tremendous reception from it. The market loved it. Um, kids really lo loved it, and I, I bought the first book. I mean, Connor and I have been friends for a long time, but I bought his first book, read it to my kids. We all really liked it, and then all of a sudden it started becoming a series. Yeah. And I bought every book since, and he's now sold over 2.5 million copies and had just a tremendous um, amount of response from parents that really care about what their kids are learning. And then um, there was enough success going that he started kind of mulling this idea of turning it into an animated TV show. And then that's when I reached out to him and my team and said, hey, we want to make it into a TV show for you because that's, that's kind of what we do. That's my background is in um, content creation. I'm, mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm an advertiser. I'm chief creative officer of an um, ad agency called Harmon Brothers. And so I've done, um, you know, uh, I've done projects like Squatty Potty, the, the pooping unicorn, and, and, and poopery. I've seen, and, I've and, seen this. And, and yeah. purple, purple mattress, <laughs> and um, a bunch, a bunch you of did others. The purple mattress. Yeah, the egg, the egg drop yeah. test. Yeah, that Those was all us. Those commercials are hilarious. Yeah, well, thank you. Yeah, no, they're they're a lot of fun. And um, it's, what's interesting is in that format, we got really good at telling stories that had a high amount of education. Mm -hmm. Educating them on that a product that was very new, like Purple or Squatty Potty, and then a lot of entertainment. And essentially, that's kind of what this is with um, 
with the Tuttle Twins uh, show that we're doing has a lot of education for, for kids and for adults um, and a lot of entertainment that has to go along with it. So we felt like it was a, a good match for us. Now, did you, have you had strong political views for your whole life or is this just a, a project that you're working on because it's a project or, or are you really behind it? No, well, I grew up in Idaho. Okay. Um, and <laughs> I, in Idaho, I would consider one of the more free states still, mm -hmm. right? And very much freedom-loving parents. But specifically, I had an uncle who taught me a lot about the principles of economics and freedom. He ran a little private school that I attended and his curriculum was based around people, based around teaching kids um, history and how it kind of repeats itself over time. And that when, the, when cultures and civilizations don't kind of adhere to certain ideas and principles, like free market principles, for example, then, you know, there's catastrophe that follows eventually. And, um, and so he kind of instilled in me a, a love for freedom. And so I had that basis. And so when I went to teach my kids, that's the reason I was buying up those books from Connor, is I was already wanting to teach my kids about this stuff. And um, so basically, I'm just now making the show that I would have loved as a kid, that I want for my kids, that I want now, you know? So, how, you know, we see a lot about education in the news right now, uh -huh. you know, how important would you say this is that this is an option for parents? Incredibly important and I think that is very much validated by how how much demand there is for the books. Like to sell 2.5 million copies then that's that's no longer a niche thing, right? Yeah. That's a lot of parents that are really wanting it and there there's a big void right now in the way these principles are taught either in um, the school systems or in culture in general. And that's where parents are like, okay, we have to do something about this. And um, so kudos to Connor for really, you know, diving in, making this happen with the book series. And then now we're just kind of taking it to the next level with the TV series. Could you give me an example of a way that you're teaching some some of these lessons uh, through through these stories? Because I'm so I don't have any kids, yeah. and I actually. You know, so I don't, I don't Shame know everything. About, no, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no. So I haven't had the pleasure of going through all of it. But what's an example of how you're going to take these uh, pretty, I don't, I don't know if I'd say they're complicated concepts. They're actually yeah. pretty simple when you think about it. You know, yeah. Don't hurt people. Don't take their stuff. Right. You, know, you own yourself. <laughs> yeah. Things like that. Yeah. That seems pretty simple. But how are you taking like Bastiat's The Law yeah. and, and teaching that to kids? So one of the big storytelling mechanisms that we're using is the Tuttle twins have a grandma with a time-traveling wheelchair. <laughs> nice. And uh, so they're going to be able to go back in time and learn from these figures in history. So they do in the first episode, they go back and visit Frederick Bastiat as he's writing the law. And he's illustrating the principles and because it's an animated show, we can show visually like what, what that looks like, a right to life looks like, what a right to property looks like, um, uh, what a right to li uh, liberty looks like. And we're using a lot of comedy, mm -hmm. a lot of jokes to kind of communicate the message in a fun way. In fact, the vision for the show is to make it entertaining enough that kids will choose it as an option over their, you know, their options on things like Disney Plus and YouTube and Netflix. Mm -hmm. We want them to, like, 
watch it as an adventure and as a fun story and then get the education as they go along as well. So that's kind of where we're going. The other good thing about kids, from what I understand, is that they will also like to watch the same thing over and over again. Yes. Once they get Once they get really accustomed to it, yeah. they will watch it, just turn it on all the time. Yeah, it'll really sink in with them. And like even, even the show in its rough animatic form, which is just a collection of storyboards animated mm -hmm. together with temporary voices and things like that. Um, we've, we've had kids that have watched it like 10 times, just, just that, which also tells us it's working pretty well because it's not finished animation and they're still into it. Um, so that's been really fun to see. I got sucked into one last night actually. And I remember it was dealing with an HOA to, to begin with. And it really brought me home because man, is it true that the HOA an HOA can be as tyrannical as a government? I'll tell you <laughs> yeah. that. So <laughs> can be. Can be. Yeah. I believe that one started with someone running a lemonade stand, right? Yeah. And the, and the yep. person running the HOA came up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, so when when I was growing up, we watched. I just wanted to say how how important I think this is going to be because we talk about on the show all the time. I remember Schoolhouse Rock, and we watched Schoolhouse Rock all the time. Now I know yeah. you guys aren't doing uh, singing and all that, right? In this, is there? Uh, there's a little bit of that. If a you if bit? you watch all the way to that end of that episode that we're show, uh, showing here, that uh, sneak peek, there's a little song at the end. But, yeah. Uh huh. But no, it's just really refreshing to see something for kids that's actually going to teach them some of the things that I remember learning from that. I can still recite the preamble of the Constitution right now, but I have to sing the song from Schoolhouse Rock yeah. in my head when I'm doing that. So this is definitely something that we're, that we're needing. Now, I, I was wondering with your profession, have you been worried or received any pushback at all? Do you, have, you, have you guys had to deal with any friends in the industry that are upset about this or anything like that? Um, we've he heard very little of that. I know. I know some of it goes on. I know, I know some of it will. Um, where I come out, uh, kind of on the side of freedom, and I'm kind of, you know, planting a flag there in in creating this kind of a show. That's that will be a turnoff to some people, um, and and it can turn away. Um, some friends or or some possible you know business partnerships that could happen and I would say to that that you know if if it's not worth sacrificing something like that for freedom then what is yeah. um, that's kind of where where my my mind is at and ultimately I've seen it being more unifying so admittedly I have a lot of um, a lot of co-workers and and stuff that aren't as into this as I am um, and they, um, but when they've watched the show and the way that we're treating the principles, because we're, we're, we're avoiding labels, okay, right? We're, we're not getting into Democrat, Republican, conservative, liberal, left, right. We're kind of staying away from all that stuff. And we're just saying, let's teach the principle mm -hmm. and allow people to understand that. Because all those other terms come with baggage, right? Yeah. If I, if I have a friend that I'm talking to and I say the word um, capitalism, for example, Depending on where the friend's coming from, they might say, oh, capitalism, awesome, free markets, and, and choice, and, um, and prosperity, and all these, all these things come to mind, right? Another friend, I say that, and they're thinking greed, and they're thinking, oh, that's um, these evil connections, and there's, and there's all this inequality, right? 
baggage, yeah. depending on their frame of mind. And so, but if you just talk about it in terms of a principle of like, wait, people should be able to make their own decisions. They should be able to treat freely. There's always a basis point where they can at least understand where you're coming from. And that's kind of the way we're approaching it with the show is just like, let's leave the labels out of it. Let's teach the principles for what they are. This isn't about party politics. This isn't about teams. This is about ideas and the good ideas are going to win. What if we did that in our everyday lives too? You know? Yeah, I think it'd be fantastic. <laughs> I think it'd be I think it'd be amazing. In fact, one of the episodes we have coming up is going to teach about how disagreeing with someone, even passionately, doesn't make them your enemy. There's there's always something that you're not going to agree with someone on, but um, but they can still be your friend, and you can still find common ground in other areas rather than being like, well, you're on team. Team Red versus Team Blue or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. it, it just doesn't have to be that way. No, I really like that. That was actually one of the things that I wanted to ask you about was if you were going to be making the point without making it obvious that you were trying to make that point, you know, <laughs> because you get a lot of, you know what I mean? I mean, you can either go in here and say the the government's bad and yeah. taxation is is theft and all that. And then, like you said, you're going to get a lot of, you're, you're going to turn a lot of people off immediately. And, right. and if you actually approach it from from the principles, man, this actually seems like something that we should do when we're talking to people on a normal basis. I, I think for most people, it will be a unifying thing. And when I say most, there's always going to be an audience we won't reach that just is not really into the ideas of freedom. They can't stand the, the, the thought of allowing people their own choices. They just feel like control needs to come from an elite above. Mm -hmm. And we're not going to reach those people, and that's fine. Like, they have their own perspective on that. Um, but what I have seen over time is that almost everyone, and I do, not everybody, but almost everyone has the same innate sort of desire for freedom. Everyone loves their freedoms. Yes. Left, right, conservative, um, uh, you know, liberal, Democrat, Republican. Everyone loves the ideas of freedom. We innately as humans want our freedoms, but not everyone actually understands what that looks like in principle and in practice. And that's kind of what this book series and this TV show kind of help close the gap on, is understanding what that really means. So I gotta tell you, I know absolutely nothing about how you achieve any type of animation on anything. Yeah. It's like magic to me. <laughs> okay. No, it is magic. Just, just realize that. You just take $3.7 million from the crowd, put it in a magic pot, stir it up, and out comes animation. No, um, so, the process of animation is really interesting in it, that it's very iterative, meaning you have to go through a lot of stages to get it right. Um, and with the writing, that's what we do. There's like, there's like five or six different checkpoints where we get an outline and an idea for the episode. Um, and then we get feedback from what's called a brain trust. And mm -hmm. so these, this is a collection of people that are really good storytellers that can help us identify, oh, this isn't coming through very clear. This joke wasn't very funny. Um, I'm not really understanding this or like, I just don't like this situation. And then we can adjust. And because no one does great work just by like doing something and throwing it out there. Like we iterate at each one of these steps in the scripting process and then what's called the animatic process where we edit together a bunch of storyboards and kind of see how it'll play out with in picture and sound mm -hmm. and um, that's the key to making the making it quality is running it that uh, running it by that many parents by that many kids by that many um, brain trust members to really 
hone in on what's going to work. And so that's kind of um, the process. And I mean, I mean, I can't even imagine how many man hours it is. I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's hundreds of man hours for each script. So what I saw on YouTube when I was watching this last night, what process, what, what stage is that right there? So when you watched on YouTube, it would have been in the animatic form. Okay. And that is the collection of storyboards edited together with temporary sound that the animators follow in order to create the animation itself. Okay. Um, and so they can see kind of the key poses that a person mm -hmm. has or the expressions, and then they're interpreting that and making that into the final character. So so for us, this is 2D animation. Um, you actually design the character and make it into a puppet that with a computer that you can move, its okay. hands and stuff. Okay. And then the computer does all the in-between frames. Um, that's that's the way it works. Is um, a lot of it is just puppeted in the same way that like a 3D animation is. Mm -hmm. They make it into a model. They create a, what's called a rig on it, which makes it into a puppet, and then they move it inside the computer, and that's how you get the final animation that's 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 rendered out and that you see for the um, the actual movie. But in this case, um, we do that with um, with with 2D animation. It's just puppeted characters. How so? Say someone's gonna wave their hand and do this. How long? does that take to eventually get to the point where you've got the you've got a blank screen you got this and yeah. eventually you have someone that waves their hand <laughs> um gosh how long does it like just from the beginning of the episode to the end uh, that just, or just like, in that one shot that one thing that one, that uh, because one if thing. you're recording someone with a camera they just wave their hand yeah. and, then, and then that's it yeah so <laughs> like a, a single animator for example could work on um, a minute of animation for about two weeks wow a single animator. Wow. Yeah, e easily it could be that. Um, okay. If not, maybe even longer in some cases. Some some of it shorter, depending on the complexity of, of the given shot. And um, and so yeah, it's it's a very iterative 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 process. Um, and and then there's just all these checkpoints to make sure we're not goofing up along the way, to make sure that we're um, kind of weeding out the bad stuff that we've created mm -hmm. and putting in more of the good stuff that's gonna work. How important is it to know that the thing that you did at first might not be perfect and it might be completely taken away or changed? I was just imagining if I spent two weeks working on yeah. this minute of animation and then someone was like, oh yeah, that's not good. We needed to do something else, or we're just going to get rid of it. Well, so the the mantra in animation is very much like Pixar's animation, which is like fail fast. So you want to, and it's very much like an entrepreneur, right? Mm -hmm. Make as many mistakes early on as you can, so you can adjust and not have to make as big of changes later on. And so that is the way animation works too. We make as many changes as we can in the script form. And then when we go to the animatic where it's actually storyboard drawings, we try to solve as many problems as we can there. So by the time you get to animation, it's more just executing on the vision than it is like wholesale different changes because that's when it gets really expensive. Yeah. And you don't see as much of that. But as a writer or um, as a director, yeah, you do a lot of work that kind of goes and le is left on the cutting room floor and that no one ever sees and that but that's just part of the process you have to embrace now what's really important i was uh, when i was asking earlier about if this is the first time directing animation because when you think of a director you think of them sitting in their nice little tall chair it says like director has got your name on it yeah. so when you walk into a room in the studio do you just pop out your chair right there like your big tall director <laughs> chair yes yeah it's yeah. exactly as you imagine it is <laughs> one of those chairs and someone brings me a pina colada um, <laughs> i'm a teetotaler so it's it's a 
virgin margarita or whatever. Yeah. No. Um, yeah. Uh, no, it's none of that. <laughs> okay. Okay. It's actually more of a dark room with an editor <laughs> okay. kind of a thing. Um, or just like in, in, in these COVID times, it's been like meeting up at someone's house and working <laughs> on it in some cases. But no, it's, it's, it's very much kind of a... Um, two, two people together sitting down at a computer working on it um, the one editing and the other one kind of giving feedback and in some cases I've got editors that are working on different episodes where um, they know how to edit themselves mm-hmm. the person's edited to a certain point and by that point rather than just telling, sitting over their shoulder and saying push the button this way they just jump in and do it themselves yeah. so there's, there's a little bit of that process that goes into it and um, there's a lot of riffing so the storyboard artist gets involved early on after the script's completed and and then the, the the director kind of paints the vision of what, the way the show's going to go. And then they riff off of each other of like, oh, what would it be fun if we did this kind of a gag here or for you? All of a sudden he threw this thing or whatever it, it is. And then the storyboard artist puts that together and brings that back to the director. And then they make adjustments. And then they edit that together with the temporary sound. And then they show that to a brain trust. And then that gets a whole bunch of markups and feedback. And then you go back to the drawing board and do it again. And you do that over and over, over again. And the, and, and in animation, if you have a good animatic, um, meaning all these storyboards cut together in a way that you can kind of see the way the story pl- plays out, then you have a good show. Okay. If the animatic is good, then the animation is going to be good. Um, and uh, I guess just to speak, changing subject, changing subject a little bit, big vision of kind of where we're headed with this is we want to share the ideas of freedom with 100 million kids all over the world. That, that is a good goal. That is, that is the goal with this, is that it needs to be... That has to go beyond the United States, mm-hmm. and um, I very much am, am a believer that the ideas of freedom work anywhere mm-hmm. that they're they're applied. It's not an, a, 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 an exclusive to the United States kind of thing, <laughs> um, and and we see that in countries that have been embracing um, either some form of communism or socialism, that as they move further and further towards free markets. And, and and further and further towards the principles of freedom, that they they rise as a culture, they rise as a people much more. And so that is very much the vision for the show is 100 million kids across across the world. And we think of kind of the ripple effect that can have. This is all about the long game. Yeah, how does it feel to actually know that you can not only change lives, but you can save lives with what you were just talking about. Is that a big driver? Oh, yeah. It's, it's a huge driver for me. So I think of Connor, the author of the book series. So he, um, in 2005, was not a politically active person, didn't really care about it, came from sort of an average Republican family. And then all of a sudden, he's watching an interview or a documentary with Ron Paul. Hmm. And um, like he's like, who's this guy that's making so much sense? And he turns and he Googles him. And starts reading his stuff, but then starts reading the stuff that Ron Paul points to. Mm -hmm. And starts learning about it and being like, holy mackerel, this is incredible. And then now you've got that one guy that turns and um, kind of sinks deep into his heart and like, I want to affect change. Like, if I don't don't try to make this world a freer place, who's going to do it? And he says, you know, if not me, then who? Right? Mm -hmm. If not now, when? Kind of a thing. And he goes and he makes a book series. Um, doesn't think of it as a book series at first, but makes a book. It's like, well, this doesn't exist for my kids. I'm going to make it. And then now it's become these one book after another. And I think of the ripple effect of that, of where, um, you know, 2.5 million of these have been sold. How many hundreds of thousands of kids have already been exposed to this because of this one person? Mm-hmm. And I, that's why the vision for this is if we share these ideas with 100,000 uh, or 100 million kids, what can that ripple effect be? 
in the long game. You got the How families, the people? people they affect. I mean, it's oh, just yeah. everything. The same thing for me, right? My uncle, mm -hmm. you know, really caused a change in, in my heart for, for the way that um, I approach life, the way I, I, I think of the world, the way, um, you know, I have kind of embraced the ideas of freedom. Now I'm creating a TV show, and how many more people is that going to change? But that's that's the vision for it. Of what yeah. can the world look like in 10 years and in 20 years if we reach 100 million kids with the show? And that's what gets me excited. Yet another massive impact that Ron Paul has made on on the world. Yeah, no, for sure, absolutely. <laughs> that's the only reason we're doing this show right here was was because finding him on on YouTube randomly at one time. So, yeah, I mean it's it's crazy absolutely. to think about that. I wanted to ask about the crowdfunding aspect of this. This, yeah. was, this was crowdfunded, right? It was crowdfunded, yes. We are the number one, we became um, earlier this year, the number one crowdfunded kids show of all time, of all history wow. in, in, in the world. And that, you know, surpassing all the Kickstarters, Indiegogos, mm -hmm. uh, you name it. We, I mean, we were shortly passed thereafter by by another uh, awesome TV show that I, I supported as well, was rooting for, but I'm not gonna get into that. <laughs> um, but um, it was $3.7 million that we were able to raise from 9,000 different investors. So this wasn't people, it wasn't people who are trying to, you know, get a free T-shirt or perk like that. They're actually investing in the show. So as the show becomes um, financially sustainable and successful, they'll succeed as well. And then that's very much the goal with it, that 70% of revenue from kids' shows ends up coming from merchandising. Mm. And that's kind of what we're going to be relying on. We're going to try to get as much distribution as possible. And we're going to try to make the show as financially sustainable as possible while still, you know, championing these ideas. So we're not a nonprofit. We're very much a for-profit business. And, and we feel like that's the best way to set this thing up to, su to succeed. It is. It, mentioning that you're for-profit and, and, and non-profit, I, I always think that pretty much everything should be for-profit because that's the most efficient way to do anything. So if something is really important, then in my opinion, you want to do it for-profit because that's the best way to accomplish anything. But anyway, I'm just... <laughs> Just uh, throw, throwing that out there. Yeah, um, I, think there, I think there's an argument to be made for that. <laughs> um, so what do you think it says that you were able to become the number one crowdfunded show for kids? I mean, that means that parents are really needing this right now. Yeah, there's there's very much a void in the market that we're filling. Mm -hmm. Parents are extremely excited about it. The, the market demand is much higher than, um, I would say, the, the fringes of the political spectrum, much, much higher. Um, because I, I think a lot, again, a lot of people understand that they like freedom, that they want freedom. And they just don't really understand like what principles kind of go behind that. And when that's spelled out for them over and over again, Connor, the author of the books, hears from readers that like, I'm learning so much with my kids as I'm <laughs> as I'm going through this. It's it's this is spelling it out so clearly, and I think that's going to be the case for for a lot of this. Now, where are people going to be able to see this when when it's all ready? And when do you think that's going to? Yeah, um, so we're we're prepping for a launch this fall. Okay. Um, um, we're we're shooting for September. Fingers crossed, <laughs> we can get everything done in that uh, that time. But um, it will be available on the App Store. Um, for iPhone and available on Google Play for Android. It will be an app that you can download, um, um, a Tuttle Twins app, and you'll be able to watch the episodes for free. Um, we're following the same model. Our distributors, Angel Studios, who um, did The Chosen. I'm mm -hmm. not sure if you're familiar with The Chosen at all, but it's, it's going to be a pay it forward model. So people will be able to watch the episodes for free, and if they want to pay it forward for other people to be able to watch, they can do that as well. And um, also the first episode will be available on YouTube and on Facebook to kind of watch all over the place. We're going to try to spread it as far and wide as we can. Yeah, I have 
One more random question, just as I was thinking about uh, talking to you as a as a director. Now, is this your first time doing something animated as a as a director? Uh, as a director, yes. Mm -hmm. um, I actually studied animation in college before I transitioned over to advertising. Um, so I uh, I tried to get into the pro. So I, I I went to BYU in Utah there, and and I um, applied for their animation program. Didn't quite get in. They only let in like 20 students a year or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, and I actually applied twice because they asked me to reapply because I guess it was on right on the cusp, and I didn't get in either time. Um, and then I ended up going into advertising. So. I've had an interest in animation for a long time. This is kind of me coming full circle mm -hmm, in mm -hmm. some ways. But yeah, this is my first uh, project where I'm, we, we use a lot of animation in the different ads and things that we do. Yeah. But yeah, as, as far as like doing a fully 2D animated show, this is the first time. Have you always been interested in being in film and doing uh, directing animation, all that? Yes, I, I, I did feel like eventually that's where I was headed. I, I had enough reps in storytelling through advertising that I felt like eventually I was gonna either make a jump to a feature film of some kind or or a TV series, and it turned out this was the TV series for it, and I'm, I've been uh, super excited about it. It's been a lot of fun. I'm gonna have to have some kids, I guess, so I can uh, get them <laughs> into this. I don't know if it's, if it's okay for me to just uh, read all of those myself, people might make fun of me. I'm not sure, but uh, no, it's, it's a good way to kind of absor <laughs> absorb stuff. So no judgment there. But yeah, if you have uh, if you have any nephews or nieces or anything like that, or friends with kids, yeah, spread the word far and wide. So I'd, I'd say for now, the best place for people to look us up is TuttleTwins.tv. Okay. So if you get to go to TuttleTwins.tv, then there you can put in your email and we will send you um, a notification when the app is available for download, when that first episode, um, well, it'll be the first few episodes, is ready to go. Great. Daniel, thank you so much for your time today. Awesome. Thanks for having me on.